0: Welcome to the Post-COVID Church Podcast with your host, Stuart Kellogg. My guest, J.P. DeGantz, founder and president of Communio, a nonprofit that helps churches build ministries focused on strengthening marriage and helping singles. Communio came out of J.P.'s work at Philanthropy Roundtable in 2014 a pilot program in three cities to see if divorce rates could be cut. The goal to strengthen families. The experiments worked. JP is here to explain how the post-COVID church can strengthen family ministries. He and his wife, Christina, have eight children, so he has hands-on experience. Welcome, JP. Hey, thanks, Stuart. Glad to be here. How did you determine that this is the issue you wanted to focus on professionally?
1: Oh gosh! I had, um, like a lot of people, was uh, uh, came to Washington to try to save the world through the public policy process, and I was raised by uh, great parents who thought, uh, who really motivated me on on uh, the life issue and trying to uh, make an impact. And and as I worked uh, mostly in the economic sphere for uh, professionally for about a decade, it became really clear to me that there were these issues that were a lot more important than than, uh, the, than what was going on every two years in the election cycle. On a, a personal level, uh, God put something in my life that really shook me up and redirected us. Um, uh, my sister who uh, very, I'm very close to um, uh, had hit a really uh, tough patch and uh, her marriage failed and she asked us My wife and I had taken our four kids and uh, they were 10, 11, 14, and 15. And um, uh, they moved in with us and, and uh, we saw firsthand what happens when, when families, uh, when families fail and especially to boys. And um, uh, that became a big, uh, uh, a big uh, uh, issue that got put in my heart personally. And then as I got, into more and more on the political side, recognizing that there were things just a lot more important um, than you know the tax rate or regulation. That 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 actually um, the health and vitality of families is is really central. So that that's why I ended up um, really changing gears. And um, I'm glad I'm always thankful to God for uh, the the uh, for the experiences I had because Communio and, and this whole initiative really was, uh, came about because of the learnings from my, old, you know, from my professional life and trying to apply it uh, effectively to ministry.
0: Well, the data are so clear that fatherless children, doesn't matter what the race, will do much more poorly as far as poverty or crime, incarceration, if they don't uh, grow up with a married, mom and dad, it is so clear. So why is there such a resistance in the culture to very clear data?
1: Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, this whole phenomenon of of, of being, uh, of having a large number of kids without their mom and dad in their life actively is, is historically new, right? I mean, 1960s, pre 1960s, it didn't happen a lot. And now we're seeing the social sciences uh, really unpack what that has done uh, to society. So I think in some ways, um, uh, the culture hasn't seen it. What, you know, the, the message of sexual license and um, the sexual revolution came first, the consequences came second. And, um, and, um, uh, and, and so those messages have had a lot, uh, it had a big head start. Uh, but uh, you're starting to see academics that are not you know, traditional, you know, somebody who's a Christian conservative, uh, folks like Raj Chetty was the youngest, I believe the youngest PhD tenured professor at Harvard, in, in Harvard's history, uh, create a, a large study on understanding mobility and, and looked at a lot of different variables and did find that the strongest variable that determined um, a family's ability and a person's ability to be upwardly mobile was the share of two parent homes in a, in a particular community. And so there's just growing and growing evidence as you noted. And so I think that's, um, that's a big deal. And so now, now it's up to us to, uh, to really effectively uh, uh, teach, you know, churches need to teach and preach. Um, and, and begin to give a counter narrative. There's a reason why there's a growing sense of, of nihilism, growing sense of social isolation, depression, uh, short shrinking lifespans, all these things is, we're wired for relationship and those relationships start in the family and, um, and in a healthy family. So, um, so uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, that uh, the church can be the mechanism to, to bring about that change.
0: J.P. DeGance is our guest, the founder and president of Communio, a nonprofit that helps churches help strengthen family-focused ministries. Can you explain exactly how you work uh, with churches? Yeah, so we're a nonprofit that consults
1: with churches, and we provide churches with cutting-edge tools and technologies and strategies to strengthen relationships and marriages. So how that works is we've created a framework that we call a data-informed full circle relationship ministry. That uh, is the the strategic framework that came out of our learnings in Jacksonville, Florida, where we were able to work with more than 50 churches to successfully lower the divorce rate. And and so uh, by data-informed, breaking that apart, it starts with surveying uh, a a congregation uh, uh, and then uh, doing a data analysis of the community around that church. And then we, we actually... Uh, sit down for about six or seven hours with the church's leadership team to uh, unpack the data and help that church uh, deploy a full circle relationship ministry approach that's designed uh, uh, with that church and that community in mind. By full circle, we mean uh, uh, best practices in ministry for single life, helping to uh, orient uh, singles into a healthy life, whether that be a celibate life or into a, a, a life of, of marriage and then for uh, uh, engaged for uh, those in preparing for marriage, those in marriage and those who are in crisis and helping a church in each of those four, four buckets. What we don't do, Stuart, uh, what we recognized is there's a lot of content, a lot of really good programs that churches can leverage, uh, but that content's not catalytic. It, it usually sits on people's bookshelves. So uh, we'll help, we work with, 35 different content authors, uh, more than 80 pieces of content. So we curate, we help a church think through what makes the most sense for them. And then we help them design a a 12 and 24 month set of goals and a 12 and 24 month set of of plans, sort of a calendared set of plans. And then we stay in relationship with that church for a two, two to three year period. So we serve them to help them Uh, uh, continue to build out their own plan. So I I talk about it being a a framework. It's sort of like the cake mold. The ingredients are up to the church, and the church is a driver, and we're the consultant and help them think through that.
0: But the church has to be really committed, and you would think families are key, so they would be committed, but your survey show 80% of evangelical churches have no programs on uh, marital relations. 90% don't Allocate a nickel towards it. I was astounded by those numbers.
1: Yeah, the the Barna Group helped us with this survey, and it's um, um yeah, it's it's eighty percent allocate zero percent of their of their budget towards marriage ministry. It's 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 the uh in, it's the single biggest uh, threat to the future of the church. You know, if you're if you grew consider a couple uh, statistics, if you um. Uh, if you grew up with a married mom and a dad and you're a millennial, and all I know is that you grew up with a married mom and dad, you're 78% more likely to go to church every week than a millennial who, who didn't grow up with a married mom and dad. Um, uh, if, um, if you look at the pews on a Sunday, under the age of 60, so you lop out the oldest segment of the, of the church attending population who has the very uh, stable family you know, of origin, and you just look at 18 to age, age 18 to age 60, 73% of those who sit in the pews on Sunday grew up in a home with constantly married parents. Okay. That's no longer a majority, like that's no longer a majority family structure. Right. And so if you look over our last 60 years, the entire collapse in uh, ongoing church attendance can be understood and explained by the collapse of family structure. And um, that's one of the keys that we, that we point out to churches and churches um, it makes sense why um, churches haven't jumped yet into this space, because, you know, it didn't make a lot of sense to have a marriage ministry, um, let's say, in the 1880s. The entire culture supported, uh, it. doesn't mean everything was great in the 1880s by no means, but, but at least the culture heavily, um, heavily uh, reinforced the idea of, of getting married and staying married. That's no longer the case. And so it's now up to the church to adapt to, now to a cultural uh, reality that, uh, that getting married and staying married is an afterthought, and how do we adjust to that?
0: Is the church, and I'm talking about the evangelical church, partly to blame for this uh, collapse of marriage because it's looking just like culture?
1: Yeah, I, look, we, we, we own um, we own a, a, a big. Uh, the church owns a big piece of of uh, where we're at, right? Um, uh, we have not. Uh, I think, spoken prophetically into the, into the culture about what marriage uh, ought to be. Our marriages have not always been um, a, a, the Christian ideal. Uh, and um, what we know from our research is that it's the, exp- it's the lived negative experiences of, of kids who become then adults, of homes where there's been um, uh, family strife Who are the most jaded on marriage itself? Um, You know, one of the things that we saw uh, in our research on emotional drivers of cohabitation, which has become ubiquitous, is what most frequently comes up is the experience of childhood trauma in our own life. And there's a fear of entering marriage because they don't, that person does not want. To experience that same childhood trauma, and so uh, they give a lot of uh, frequently when someone will give a le- what we would say a left brain reason a rationalization as to is to save money that's why I'm living together right, but the reality is frequently not always is is something much uh, 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 more significant emotionally, and so there's all sorts of uh, you know first we one of the things that we tell churches is um, that the skills to live a, a healthy marriage are known and knowable okay it's not it 's not something that 's a mystery okay it 's not you know you don 't get struck by lightning and have it and determine whether or not you get have a good marriage or not okay you, you can you can learn those and also the discernment process of finding a good spouse there 's a lot that can be done to to increase the likelihood that you have a healthy Marriage before it starts. So both those things are things where the church can speak into and uh, and be relevant at a time where um, where uh, the culture is giving such a different message.
0: I guess JP DeGans, founder and president of Communio, it's a nonprofit helping churches build family ministries, especially marriage ministries. I'll- one of the impacts of the shutdown is that families have been together. We've seen China, which had started earlier, the divorce rate is going up, for example, but we also have dads who are having dinner with their kids for the first time in years. What do you see the net effect of all this shutdown on the family in america
1: it's it's a it, it, there's a there's obviously a lot of rest, but I want to lay in on a lot of the hope there um you have um you do have dads in the homes more more frequently uh you have families who haven't had the social outlets to just um, uh, stay constantly busy right? I mean how often are we trapped by the idol of youth sports and I say that as a, a dad who's uh, i been a middle school football coach for years and uh and uh coached i think you know almost every sport and I love youth sports but I also understand that it can be a jealous god for for many families, um, and um, uh, all that's been taken away from us. And so, family has uh, uh, it, 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 fa- folks are spending a lot more time than they've ever done before uh, in uh, with their homes and with their with their family. So, I think there's a lot of a lot there. I th- Brad Wilcox who's a been a friend, and he's probably the academy's um, you know one of the top two or three leading academics on marriage. He's a professor at the University of Virginia. Uh, he had argued that the shutdown uh, would um, reinforce the importance of a family-first model of marriage. And um, he was contrasting that on a webinar we did with him uh, with uh, the the what he called the soulmate model of marriage. Okay. And the description he has of the soulmate model is that there's just this one soulmate out there for me, and um, uh, and and in the soulmate model, it is wrapped up in the in a passing emotions of happiness, sort of a perceived contentment, and um, uh, in a soulmate model, he would say that it's we avail ourselves of marriage uh, as a lower priority. It's something you after you've you have um, achieved gotten your job. You've you know maybe traveled the world, sown your wild oats so to speak. Then you, then it's a capstone at the end of, of, a bun, of a set of achievements. That's where the soul. Then the soulmate is someone who will then uh, sort of complete you, make you happy, and uh, the source of your your personal contentment. And his argument is that the, this particular shutdown might gives this huge opportunity to shift. There's a lot of folks who are in their late twenties, early thirties who have not prioritized man and marriage don't have a family and have been in many ways alone, uh, more so than folks who have families. And it would, uh, has the potential to recenter uh, the importance of a capstone model of marriage, that marriage is something that we should avail ourselves of uh, uh, early in in our lives um, uh, if if we are to be stable and um, emotionally secure. I I don't know if whether he's gonna be right. He appealed to past times where there's been economic A lot of economic um, um, uncertainty that um, frequently uh, that that can be followed by um, uh, in the in the after effects, and it it can be followed by um, when the when the economy starts to renew itself, there can be a, a renewal of family life and marriage again.
0: So but a lot of people have had a taste of that have and I have heard that that you know dad being home for dinner and, and those sorts of things and uh yeah used to be oh, in even in my
1: life I travel a lot for work and I I have I've, I've always done done that um uh and uh you know it's not uncommon that I might have to do a, a trip once a week um maybe gone one night or 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 two and um uh this has been a great recharge for for me. Um, I've been able to not. Uh, uh, I, this is the longest time in my professional life that I've ever not been on an airplane, and uh, I know that's the case for you know for a lot of dads. And then, you know, um, uh, there's there's obviously a lot of um, you know only a third, a third, twenty five percent of the workforce can work from home. So that means there's a lot of people that um, this has created a lot of um, stress for uh, where they've they've not been able to be protected from uh, in different ways uh, the COVID crisis and that might be through the loss of the job or being uh, having to work in, in some sort of uh, essential retail establishment or a first responder role and this is uh, where I, I would love to see churches more stepping forward right now into the into the uncertainty of the present moment. I think we were chatting Stuart a little bit about this before we, we got started this. Uh, uh, so many churches um, are rolling back and, and withdrawing from the battlefield in a lot of ways. They might be streaming services and um, you know, offering some streaming activities here and there. Uh, a friend of mine is uh, a, a Cheryl Backelder. She was the president and CEO of, of Popeyes. She's a, a committed evangelical Christian, wrote the book Dare to Serve. Um, and she really brought her faith into her business life. And she said to me that, uh, you know, in Harvard Business Review, 9% of all businesses, only 9% will escape a crisis stronger than they were when the crisis started. And she said to me, you know, churches are really the same same way. Uh, she thinks, you know, 1 in 10 at most churches are going to come on the other end of this crisis stronger than they were before. And she said, well, what makes the businesses that that escape crisis stronger. Well, one of the common things that they found in the Harvard Business Review is that they uh, do an analysis of of their current business, their prior business model, and then make actual adjustments in real time of what needs, what changes need to be made, and then uh, make significant investments into uh, area, the new areas of the business that need to occur because of the crisis, right? And um, those churches that have, that have adapted and adjusted and leaned in heavily to serve their people and serve their com- communities in a innovative way at a time of great, great uncertainty are being blessed right now. Uh, I, w- we work with, um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Of, uh, um, fellowship of the parks is one of our client churches in Tarrant County, Texas. One of the, uh, this church has um, uh, been running. We helped them design uh, these digital date night experiences for their people. Uh, they went out, and sent it to their people, sent it to, uh, we helped them run a campaign through Facebook to the, into their community. And um, uh, they had more than a thousand people complete this digital date night kit. They said he, uh, Roger Gibson, uh, the marriage pastor there said, you know, April was uh, one of, it was their fourth highest giving month on record for their church. I don't think there are a lot of churches in America who could claim this April 2020 was their fourth highest. Um, and and it's because they they turned outward to serve into the homes of the couples in their community and in their church and those couples turned and blessed that church right and um, uh, we we had another church we were working with First Burleson a, a great a Baptist church in in Burleson Texas and they um, uh, uh, they had been running these digital resources to couples that we helped provide for them and. Um, uh, they have they have had uh, routinely about 300 or so couple uh, 300 or so couples complete their uh, different forms of these digital date nights at, at different monthly intervals, and uh, uh, they uh, uh, they've seen a huge uptick in people signing up for the new member class online, and uh, 31 uh, were in it I know in early May, and um, they said this unheard of considering the situation. And they were going into the crisis uh, expecting, before the crisis, a major budget shortfall for the year. And actually now, um, with, it, uh, with what has been happening and an, an increase in engagement, they're no longer projecting a budget shortfall as a church. And, and I think these are two examples of two churches that fit into that, that 9% uh, that, that Cheryl was talking about.
0: Finally, how can folks who are listening uh get in touch with Communio to say either uh, leaders or lay people to get their churches involved and to look at how to strengthen family ministries? Well, a couple
1: ways. One, they should go to our website, Communio.org and um, uh, on there they can sign up uh, for emails. They should, they can also email us at um, questions at Communio.org, questions at Communio.org. And certainly anybody who's listening can, um, uh, can also email me at at communio.org. Uh, so those are a few ways uh, uh, we have been meeting with and speaking to a lot of pastors by Zoom. Uh, we're even, even beginning to have in-person trainings and meetings again. Uh, we had uh, one this past weekend in Virginia uh, and have a, a slate of them scheduled in the second half of July and in August. Um, and so we're, we're getting out and meeting with, uh, with churches uh, Uh, in real life again. That's pretty exciting.
0: And the need is going to be there, and that's what this whole the post-COVID church is about, is looking at the need and how churches can serve them. My guest today, J.P. DeGantz, founder and president of Communio, a nonprofit that helps churches build ministries focused on the family. Thank you very much, J.P., for being part of this.
1: Appreciate you having me on.
0: The Post-COVID Church Podcast, our mission to help churches plan and serve the post-pandemic world. Thank you for being a part. Thank you for listening to the Post-COVID Church Podcast. For more, go to the Post-COVID Church Group on Facebook.